Welcome to the Financial Copilot podcast and video channel where airline pilot and CFP professional Dan Lomar shares techniques, interviews, and perspectives about financial planning and life in general for airline pilots. Here's your host, Dan Lomar. Hey, how much can you withdraw from your retirement portfolio? Year one of retirement, adjust it for inflation, and not run out of money during your lifetime. Okay, that's what the entire retirement income planning series is all about. That's my video series on generating uh, investment retirement income from investment assets that you've accumulated for your whole life. But how much is that? That is that is the magic question. And there's a rule out there called the four percent rule, which is a good rule of thumb. It's not the end answer. It's not the uh, the final answer to everything, but it's a good rule of thumb. Uh, and that's what I'm going to talk about in this video. So hang on. That's what we're going to talk about. Hey, if you haven't done so, uh, remember to subscribe and hit the bell icon so that you know when new videos come out. And um, be sure to pass this along. Those who are not watching this video are probably the ones that need to watch it the most. If you don't mind, please uh, take a minute, pass this along to our fellow pilots so everybody can make good investment and retirement income decisions. And if we haven't met yet, I'm Dan Lomar, a CFP professional with United Wealth Management, where we specialize in peer management and financial planning for pilots at United Airlines. And like many of you, my business partner, Alan Buley, and I are both pilots for United. Welcome to another video. So we're talking about the 4% rule today. Um, well, first of all, disclaimer, hey, this don't take this as tax, legal, or investment advice. Please, uh, you determine if, whether this applies to your situation or not. Consult your own attorney, tax uh, advisor, or financial advisor uh, for your uh, best personal advice. Um, so let's get into it. So I'm doing a retirement, I'm doing a video series on retirement income planning. So basically, uh, we save, we invest our whole life, uh, and we have a pile of money we ret retire with, and then how do we take that money and return it into uh, income? So my last video really talked about the basics of that, the total return approach versus the dividend approach, and you know different aspects of how we go about doing this. And now, I'm going to get more into, well, how much is that? Once we determine how we're going to take it out, uh, how much do we take out? And that's kind of what this, uh, this video series is about, and that's kind of what this video is about. So the overarching uh, idea or objective is maximizing your income uh, in the current year and over your lifetime, but not running out of money. So obviously, if you have a million dollars, you can't spend a million dollars in year one and expect it to last the rest of your life. At the same time, you don't want to spend uh, just 1% uh, of it a year because now you're not enjoying the fruits of your labor. So uh, there's a balancing act there between current income and also making it last uh, for your entire life. And that's really what we're talking about. So in the process of doing that, uh, there's been a ton of studies uh, uh, all around retirement income unplanned. I did an entire course called the Retirement Income Certified Professional that was just about generating uh, retirement income. Uh, and one of the studies that came out of this, and it is a study, it's not truly a strategy, but it was more of a study, it's called the 4% Rule. And I'm sure you've heard of it, or I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's pretty common. And, and what it means is that the rule uh, it comes out of a study, and it suggests, it's a rule of thumb, suggests that retirees can safely withdraw 4% of their savings during the year that they retire, and then adjust it for inflation each subsequent year for a 30-year period and not run out of money. So it's called the 4% rule, and it's based on, and uh, it's referred to also as a safe withdrawal rate. What is the safe withdrawal rate? 
Well, some, some really good things about that study, and there's some other things that we can prove upon, upon that study, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. One, it's a rule of thumb. It's not a guarantee, so you know, don't take it as a guarantee. Uh, it was determined to have a, uh, a 95% confidence level, so there's you know, always that 5% chance out there that it's, it's not going to work out. We don't know that for sure. Uh, and it also suggests that you're going to inflate it for each, each year. So that's one of the ways we can improve upon it is making some decisions whether we want to um, uh, have inflation. And when I say approve upon it, I'm saying uh, taking more out than 5%. That's what I'm talking about when I say can we improve this rule more than what it is. Keep in mind when we're talking about 4%, it's talking about all withdrawal. So it's not the amount you're spending. If you got a million-dollar portfolio, you're not spending $40,000 it means you're withdrawing $40,000 to pay for taxes, uh, any fees on the account, uh, and also uh, what you're spending uh, after that. So it's the gross withdrawal on the account. So let's talk about the history. Let's talk about the study itself. It was done by a guy named uh, Bill Bangan back in 1994, and he wanted to determine what the safe withdrawal rate was, uh, SWR, safe withdrawal rate. Up to this point, it was, uh, it was widely believed that you could withdraw 5% of your portfolio over a retirement period and not run out of money. So he said, well, I'm going to put that to the test. And he took historical data starting in 1926, and he looked at 30 periods starting in 1926, and he rolled it forward about 50 times to uh, kind of take a look and see, uh, you know, cover as many periods as he can. So he's got these rolling periods he looked at. And what he determined was that uh, in, if, he, if a person had retired in 1966, that was probably the worst time to retire uh, because there was a market correction, a rally, and then the early 70s, uh, mid-70s, it corrected again and followed by high inflation. And so both of these things, low returns followed by high inflation during this first 15-year period of the retirement period, put a huge headwind on the portfolio, and it was determined that 4% was uh, the amount that a person could, could have withdrawn in 1966 and it adjusted it for inflation each year, and then uh, their account balance after 30 years would have been zero. Okay, so running at, so you know, that's the ultimate test right there. Um, so again, he determined it was not a guarantee by any means. Uh, and 4% is kind of a, you know, of course it's a rule of thumb, but it's based on a 60-40 portfolio, 60% equities, 40% bonds. And really, the rule says, hey, look, it's really anywhere from 3% to 5%, depending on what your allocation is. So if you're more like 75% equities, you're going to have a higher, you, you could be allowed a higher withdrawal rate. If you're close to 50% equities, you might have a lower withdrawal rate. So there's some, you know, kind of a sliding scale in there, if you will. Um, but really, but really it, it was more research than it was strategy uh, anyway. Um, kind of what's it missing uh, a lot of things that weren't uh, taken into account. So one, uh, you know, it, he looked at history, uh, and history doesn't exactly repeat itself. Uh, and so, like anything going forward, could be a little bit different. Uh, so that's why we can't guarantee it. But uh, you know, so you know, what's missing? We we never know. You can, you can never test what your current economic period looks like. A uh, personal situation is different. So you know, some people are going to be in different personal situations. The study itself was really pretty simple. If you have a complex living arrangement, a family arrangement, age differences between husband and spouse, a lot of things can change like that. Uh, and the other thing, too, is that it didn't test any other income with a portfolio. Uh, so it was strictly a portfolio. There was no Social Security. There was no pensions. There was no working income. So th these are all things that can change the 4% rule and make it better if you wanted to do that. 
I already mentioned the most historical, the, the most significant period determined uh, that really kind of bore out the 4% rule was 1966. That was the worst time to retire, and that's just because of a poor sequence of returns. I talked about that in my last video, what sequence of returns is, uh, and high inflation. So that is actually what determined uh, the 4% period. A lot of people say today with, uh, uh, with low bond yields, of course, they've come up uh, a lot uh, uh, completely at the expense of the bond market uh, in recent months, um, and uh, lower equity returns expected uh, that maybe the 4% rule is actually too generous. You don't know, um, and that's why you got to kind of play it out to your own personal situation to see what you're, uh, what you're comfortable with, and that's something I'm going to actually talk about in uh, uh, subsequent videos is how to, you know, some decision processes. Do, do I want to take more? Do I want to take less? Um, so, Randy, what are, what are some things that can impact uh, the 4% rule, that kind of improve upon them? Uh, obviously, if you're retiring at a market high or a market low, that can kind of determine... Uh, what your withdrawal, what your what your personal withdrawal rate might be, and but do we really know if we're at market high or market low? It's really hard to tell if we're at a market high. Uh, you know, if we're at a twenty percent correction, we might be more inclined to say we're towards a market low. It's kind of hard to say, but you know, you might kind of temper that with uh, where we are in market conditions. Um, and then also the other thing is to keep in mind is that tax rates, uh, tax rates, again, there was, you know, that can have an impact on how much we're drawing from different assets because uh, the, uh, this was not tested with taxable, tax-free, or tax-deferred investments, uh, which we have in our accounts today. It was just strictly uh, tested with a straight taxable investment accounts. How can we improve on it? How can we, when we come up in retirement, how can we determine, say, hey, I, I want to take out more than 4%, what are ways we can do that? One, prioritize our spending and targeting our assets. So in other words, now that we are using Social Security and PBGC, CPRP, and other pensions and stuff like that, we can say, hey, look, I want those things to cover my most important living expenses. Those are my fixed spending. That's my fixed expenses. You can kind of target it out that way. That's one way to do it. And some of those, like Social Security, is actually inflation adjusted. So that actually helps the withdrawal rate a little bit. Um, the study, remember, gives you an inflation adjustment each year, it gives you a pay raise each year. One thing you could say was, hey, I'm going to cap my pay rates. I'm going to say instead of taking the full inflation adjustment, I'm going to cap it at 3 or 4 or 5%, whatever that may be. Or I might actually freeze it. If I have a negative year in a portfolio, instead of taking a pay raise, we might actually freeze what our withdrawal rate is. In uh, a worst case, would be taking a, 10, a 5 to 10% pay cut. And now these don't sound like improvements, freezing pay raises, taking improvements, but what it allows you to do if you are willing to take these things, if you're willing to say, hey, I'm willing to cap my inflation raise, I'm willing to take a pay cut if I have to, is what it does is the research shows that it allows you to take a much larger withdrawal up front if you're willing to take those things um, on the back end or, or downstream of your initial withdrawal rate. Who knows, where, who knows when they're going to come, but if you're willing to do that, it does allow for a, a bigger amount up front. So that's another way to um, improve upon the, uh, the 4% rule. Um, and again, probably uh, one of the um, uh, downsides, in my opinion, it's not really a downside because really what we're focusing more than anything is on is retirement income security. Uh, but what it does, uh, 4% is, you know, worst case, you know, you don't want to run out of money. Um, 
But what the other thing it doesn't really take into account is what if you have good returns throughout your retirement period? Uh, in a 4% rule, actually, if you have good returns for, throughout your 4% rule, you are wildly underspending what you have the ability to spend. And so that in that case, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And so um, that's why it comes to, instead of just a flat 4% rule, hey, look, let's come up with some decision, a decision matrix we can use to actually make some decisions to either uh, freeze our pay, cut our pay, or increase our pay based on different scenarios. Really, what's the biggest positive about it? It's simple. It's just plain simple. It's a great rule of thumb. I use it uh, really on a daily basis when I'm kind of like thinking out loud, 4% uh, of a million dollars, $2 million, $3 million. Uh, it's pretty easy to use and just reference. Do I use it as a strategy? No, but I do use it as a reference. There's no question about it. Uh, what are some of the challenges to it? Again, well, one of the good things, it's simple. One of the bad things, it's simple. Um, you can't apply it across the board. You can't apply it in all situations. There's some situations where it's very difficult to apply it in. One, if you're delaying Social Security other pensions, that throws your cash flow completely out the window. It's very uh, difficult in that case to gauge the 4% rule. Uh, if you have temporary expenses, say you're paying off a mortgage in the first you know, three, five, 10 years of retirement, uh, again, and, and then once that mortgage payment goes away, you're not gonna have it anymore and you're not gonna replace it with any other spending. Yeah, those are, these are all uneven cash flows. Um, so those are the types of things that kind of make it difference, that make it a little bit challenging. Uh, and then age differences is another one. So say you have a spouse retiring, at, uh, uh, someone retiring at 65 and their spouse is 57 or 55 and there's a big age difference there or the opposite way, their spouse is much older. Um, those are some ways to kind of, uh, it doesn't necessarily apply in the in, in cases like that. Um, hey, no, so kind of wrap it up here. Uh, there's no one hard fast rule for everybody. Uh, plan it around your personal situation. You know, compare different scenarios. Um, use it as a reference point and be willingness to be flexible. So with that said, uh, my next video is, I'm gonna be talking about decision rules that we can use to make up our minds. Hey, how much should I withdraw in year one if I'm willing to use some decision rules when to increase my pay or when to decrease my pay, or I should say my withdrawal rate. That's what it's about. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in. Please pass this along. I'm Dan Lomar, CFP professional with United Wealth Management, where we specialize in parent management and financial planning for pilots at United Airlines. If you haven't done it yet, remember to subscribe, hit the bell icon so you know when new videos come out. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.